This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Good morning. Welcome first ever 830 New Lifers. This is very exciting. Give yourselves a hand. You're awake. Man, it's so exciting to be here with you today. You're going to want to grab a few things just to get you ready for this journey. You should have gotten a program when you came in. You definitely want one. So if you don't have one, there's some in the back. Inside, there are two things that will help you not only today, but this week. The first is this card that says start here. It is our connection card. We always do things with this throughout the morning. So make sure you have this filled out because I tend to talk faster as the coffee kicks in. And by the end of the service, we're just running through the day. So Make sure that you get this filled out now because there's going to be some stuff that we want to do with this a little bit later. And you never know, every once in a while, like last week, I give away free stuff when you turn in your card. So make sure you have that filled out. The other thing you're going to want are your teaching notes uh, because there's a whole bunch of stuff in here that is definitely worth thinking through today and throughout the week. It's got our our passages of scripture we're going to look at. It's got some fill in the blanks. It's got space for you to take notes, write down thoughts, write down questions, and hopefully take this and continue to chew on it throughout the day and throughout the week as you continue on uh, this journey with God. If you're brand new with us, my name is Kevin. I'm one of the pastors here at New Life, and I am so excited to join with you today as we take a next step in exploring what it looks like to follow after God. If you are new with us today, I want you to know we actually have a gift for you before you leave, because we really feel like you coming is a gift to us, and so we want to bless you by giving you a gift. So in the lobby, there are some bags that say guest gift. That's for you. No strings attached. Whether you're visiting from out of town or you're thinking about trying to find a church home, we simply just want to bless you and say thanks for joining us. So make sure you grab one of those on the way out. And if you are new with us or maybe you've been on vacation for the last few weeks, I want to catch you up on where we've been because we are wrapping up a series today that we're calling Hunger Games. And uh, this is kind of the message today that's the glue that holds all of this together. But so that we're all on the same page to start out, here's where this sermon series idea came from. I was reading through a promise that Jesus gave over 2,000 years ago to the people who followed him then. But the great thing about Jesus is that this promise is actually good for us 2,000 years later for those of us who follow him now. And it goes something like this. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness because they will be satisfied. Have you ever, have you ever woke up and up in the morning and you knew that evening you would be having your all-time favorite meal? For me, it's a super burrito from pretty much any Mexican restaurant. Carne asada, everything on it, delicious. There are days, and and some of you who are nutrition freaks will not be happy with this, but there are days when I wake up knowing I'm having that in the evening, and I will eat a sensible breakfast, and then I will forego lunch altogether because I want to be extra hungry when I get to dinner. And on those days, maybe you're like me. If you know you're having just a delicious, delicious dinner, you forego lunch, and you get to the meal that night, and you're just craving it. You just cannot wait. You walk in the house, or you're making the food, and the smells start to kick in, and you're just like, oh, I I can't wait for this meal. That is what Jesus means when he says hunger and thirst for righteousness. He wants us to, to like, oh, I, I just crave righteousness. I want it. It's like, it's the only thing I can think about right now. And when Jesus says righteousness, what he means basically is this. He means that we would be so closely connected to God that everything that we think, everything we say, everything we do, every decision that we make uh, has to do and lines up with what God thinks, what he says, what he does, and how he would want us to lead our lives. And so Jesus is saying this. He's saying, I want you to, I want you to crave, to crave 
a life with me where we're so closely connected that everything that you think and say and do is completely and totally guided by me. And he says, and here's the payoff. He says, you will be blessed. Now, word blessed means you'll be supremely happy. Not like I won the lottery happy, which that, that would be, you could be happy, and you would tithe off that, by the way. But that's, just want you to be clear on that. Um, but he means like a, a happiness that transcends your circumstances. So on, on great days when everything's going your way, supremely happy. On difficult days when it feels like nothing's going your way, you have this deep sense of joy. He says you'll be blessed if you hunger and thirst, if you crave righteousness. And then he makes us this other promise, and you'll be satisfied. And you'll have a life where you go about your day, and it could be a great day, it could be a difficult day, but you get to the end of the day and you have this, ah, ah, I'm satisfied with today. Where you get to the end of a week, and it was a great week or it was a hard week, but you get to the end and you think, ah, that was a fulfilling week. Jesus wants you to have a, a year where you get to the end of 2014 and you could say, ah, that, that was a fulfilling year. He promises us that if we hunger and thirst for righteousness, we'll get to the end of our life and we'll be able to say, ah, that, that was a life that mattered. That was a life of deep joy. That was a life of fulfillment. And the opposite of it is a life that doesn't have supreme happiness and it's a life that's unfulfilled. And he says, I don't want anyone to have that life. I want you to have a life where you have supreme deep joy and you get to the end and you can say, ah, that's what righteous living looks like. And so we began to say, well, if that's what, that's what the payoff is at the end of it, how do we get there? How do we get from where we are today to where Jesus wants us to be on that day? And we decided that it starts, we have to zoom way out. It starts by what God says is transforming us from the inside out. Because a lot of us, we just try to do good things. And we think if we can do good things, if we can be good people, then we'll have that life of joy, that life of satisfaction. But the truth is, we wake up certain days and we think, you know what, I wasn't such a good person yesterday. I didn't do the things I should have done or think the things I should have thought or say the things I should have said. And we go to bed at night and we think, okay, I'm never going to do that again. I'm never going to go there again. I'm never going to be with her again. And then a week later, a month later, we're going there, doing that. We're with him, we're with her. Because the Bible says that we have this internal drive within us that is bent towards evil. It's bent towards what the Bible calls sin. Sin are these, these things that we think and say and do that are, that are hurting us, that are hurting people, and that are separating us from God. And if we want to be righteous, we can't just ignore that sin issue. We actually need to be changed from the inside out. So the first step is that we would enter into a relationship with God through Jesus. And if you're brand new to church, I'm going to tell you what that looks like and how to do that a little bit later on this morning. But basically, you need to know that God's offer to us is that it would change from who we were, this, uh, this life that's bent towards, oh, I shouldn't have done that, shouldn't have said that, shouldn't have gone there, to a life that is focused and oriented and empowered to live with God. That's how this new nature start, starts. Excuse me. That's how it starts. And then it, it grows when God changes our mind and the way we think. We learned from a guy named Paul a few weeks ago that he says, don't conform to the patterns of this world. Don't, don't be a cookie cutter. Don't be like everyone else thinking and doing and saying what everyone else does because you're just going to get what they get. He says, instead, be transformed, not by doing different stuff, but by renewing, by changing your mind. So we decided that righteousness starts with a new nature from God, and then it grows as we change our mind. And today I want to talk about 
the next step and the final step in transformation. But as we do that, I want you to finish the sentence for me. And, and whether you grew up in church or maybe this is your first time, I think most of us actually know the end of this sentence. So get ready. I want you to actually say it with me. All right, here it is. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Did you know that's in the Bible? You, you, listen, you just memorized a Bible verse. You thought you couldn't do it, and you just, you just did it. That is in the Bible. Jesus actually made that promise to his followers 2,000 years ago. And again, it's a promise for us. In John chapter 8, verse 32, Jesus said this. He said, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So here's the question. Do you believe that? Okay. That's kind of a loaded question because we're in church. Okay? You can't really say no. I understand. But, but. Have you ever met someone who knew the truth and they weren't free? Have you ever met someone who, who knew the truth about marriage, that they should, uh, how they should treat their spouse, how they should care for them, what it should look like? They knew the truth, and yet they weren't free in their marriage. Have you ever known someone who knew the truth about finances? They knew that debt was like slavery and debt was enslaving them, and they knew that they should be generous, and yet, yet they weren't free. Have you ever known someone who hated their job because someone at work was just horrible to them? And they knew the truth about loving their enemies. And yet you looked at their life and they weren't free. Jesus promises us, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So we have to ask ourselves, is Jesus lying? Is he lying? If he's lying, we're in the wrong place. We should go home. We should watch Germany win the World Cup. That's what we should do. But what? That's not a joke. We don't need to laugh at that. What if he's not lying? What if, what if we're missing something? Jesus starts that promise off with a little word. Did you catch it? He said, then, then, then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free, which means there's something before the then that connects to the promise. In John chapter 8, verse 31, Jesus said this, to the Jews who believed in him, he said to them, if, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples, my followers, and then you'll know the truth, and then the truth will set you free. That word hold to literally means abide. It means to, to dwell in, to be with. It means to do completely. He says, if you hold to, if you do my teachings completely, then you're my disciples, then you'll know the truth, and then the truth will set you free. So here's the, here's the fullness of this journey we've been on. Righteousness, and it's in your notes, righteousness begins when we receive a new nature from God. It grows when we allow God to transform our minds, and it brings freedom, and that's what we want to talk about today, freedom. It brings freedom when we apply God's truth to our lives. It's kind of like, I know that gravity is true. I know that gravity is true. I know that I'm not going to fly away. But what if, what if I thought to myself, even though I know that gravity is true, I, I wonder if someday gravity might cease to exist just for a minute. And if it ceased to exist just for a minute, for someone who weighed 175 pounds or less, I would float away. And then what if I was walking down the street one day and I noticed an anchor on the ground? And I said to myself, that anchor has got to be at least 10 or 15 pounds, probably 50, that's how strong I am. I don't, I don't understand why you're laughing again. And I thought to myself, well, even though I know that gravity is true, what if I just picked up this anchor? And what if I just walked with this anchor? 
for the rest of my life. Because what if someday gravity ceases to exist and I need this extra 50 pounds just to keep me on the ground? And you saw me someday. And I was walking down the street and I was holding on to my new anchor. Would you think to yourself, there's a guy who knows the truth. He is living in freedom. The first thing you do is, is you would whistle the tune from an Old Spice commercial. There it is. And the second thing you would do is you would think to yourself, that guy is crazy. He is out of his ever-loving mind. Why is he walking around with an anchor? Doesn't he know that gravity is true? Why is he walking around as if gravity wasn't true? But isn't that how sometimes we live our lives when it comes to God? We know what truth is. We know what God says in the Bible. We know that his word is truth. And by the way, if you don't, if you don't know that, if that's not settled in your mind, you have to come next week because next week I'm talking about why we can trust that the Bible is true. But we know that what God says in the Bible is true. And yet sometimes we don't, we don't live that way. We don't live that way. And the result is we walk around not experiencing freedom. We walk around with weights just holding us down that God never intended for us to hold down. And the worst part of that is many of us say this is Christianity. We think that these weights that we're holding on to because we aren't living in the truth must be what God intends when he talks about freedom in Christ. And so we call this hodgepodge of beliefs Christianity, and we never experience true freedom. So I want to talk today about what true freedom looks like and how we walk towards true freedom because we have a decision to make in our lives every single day. If I wake up and I'm a Jesus follower and I've been transformed from the inside and God is changing my mind, changing my thinking, the question becomes, what am I going to do with it? What am I going to do with the truth that I know. Here's what it looks like. In your notes, and I think up on the screens, we've got something that Pastor Ron put together called the Transformation Trail. And I want you to pull this, uh, this, these notes out for a second, and I want you to look at this. In the Transformation Trail, we have three options, basically, in life. And every follower of Jesus has these three options that we face probably a hundred different times a day. And if you're not a Jesus follower, you probably have the same three options. You, instead of putting God at the top, would just put you at the top. But for Jesus followers, we have God at the top. And the trail starts like this. It begins when we see God's word as truth. At the top, it says God's word. What God says in the Bible is true. The next step is we surrender or submit to God. One step down from that. And that's the point of of conversion, where you would say yes to Jesus. Where you would transfer that nature that's bent towards sin to have a nature that is bent towards God. Where God forgives forgives us of our sins and he begins to change us from the inside out. And this is where many of us are today. And then we get to these three different paths. And I want to look at the path to your left to begin with. You can fill in that word agreement. Oftentimes what God says in the Bible and his word, we agree with it. And when we agree with it, we obey it. And here's the great news. Because God's given us a new nature, his spirit lives within us and he gives us the power to obey it freely. So when you become a Christian, you see what God says. You know, God says, you know, probably not a good idea to go to the strip clubs and do shots off a a stripper. That's probably not a good idea. You agree with that. You obey it. You know what happens? You begin to have a mind like Christ. He changes your mind. He says, yeah, that's probably not a good way to live. That's probably not a great choice. Not helpful for my marriage. Not helpful for my view of the opposite sex. 
We can have the mind of Christ at the bottom. Romans 12, 2, remember we talked about this for two weeks. Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We obey, we do what's right, and we experience transformation. The next one is a little bit more difficult. The next one is this. We see what God says, and we don't necessarily agree with it to begin with. And we're going to talk about that for a long time this morning. But we choose to obey anyway. And the promise of God is that when we choose to obey him, even if we don't agree to begin with, in the end, we're going to agree with him because what God says is true all the time. That leads us to having the mind of Christ, and then we begin to experience transformation. But here's where a lot of us get sidetracked, and this is what I want to talk about. There are certain times, even for those of us who follow Jesus, where we don't understand what God says in the Bible, or maybe we don't agree with it. He says one thing, we believe something different. Maybe we don't see the benefit in it. Or maybe we just don't believe it's possible. And so you know what we do? We choose not to obey. And when we choose not to obey, we get stuck over here. And we short-circuit the transformation God wants to do. And this happens all over in our lives. It happens subconsciously all the time. We look at our life, we look at God, we look at the Bible, and what God says and what we think about life, we just don't agree. Either we don't understand why he would say that, or we just don't like it. Or it seems too hard. And so we say, you know what? If I don't agree with God, I'm not going to follow God. I'm not going to obey God. And we get stuck over here in this really, really difficult spot. And here's what happens. We spend 20 years of our life sitting in church, stalled out. Not really free. Always walking around with a weight. We begin to think, wow, that church. Church, I tried church. It didn't do it for me. It just didn't do it for me. Or I tried church. And man, they were so judgmental because they told me there was such a thing as truth. Or I tried church, and it was okay. It's good for my kids, good for my, good for my wife, but not really so good for me. And it, it breaks my heart because this is where people get stuck all the time. This is where I almost got stuck six years ago. Six years ago, my wife and I were, were newlyweds. Uh, we loved each other, but we had an interesting dynamic where our entire dating relationship, we lived 2,000 miles apart. She was in Wisconsin. I was in California. It was difficult in a lot of ways, but here's where it was really good. And guys, you might, you might see what I mean. If we ever got in a disagreement over the phone, you know what I could say? Oh, hey, hold on, honey. I've got call waiting. Oh, I got to go. Or, oh, you know what, honey? I'm pretty tired. Can we talk later? Hang up. Anytime we got in an argument when we were 2,000 miles away, it was so easy. All I had to do was click off the phone. And we didn't have Facebook then. It was very exciting. So she couldn't, like, message me about it. We just didn't talk. And then she moved out here. That's when the trouble started. <laughs> because then we'd get in an argument, and, and I'd, I'd, I'd try to hang up the phone, and she'd be right in front of me. It's like, whoa, whoa. I wasn't, wasn't expecting this. I wasn't expecting. So we're about a year into marriage, and we have these things that, that counselors would call communication issues. That means you're jacked up. That means that when we got into a fight, she would retreat, she would be quiet, and I would attack. I would, I would run. And, and so um, when she'd get quiet, I think she must not have heard me. So I would like yell, you know, I'd get louder. And, and sometimes I'd just get so frustrated that I'd walk out and I, I'd hit the wall. And then one time I walked out and I hit the wall and, and wouldn't you know it, my hand went right through the wall. Yeah, it's, it's kind of funny telling the story now because you know where you know, it gets better not so funny in the moment. And then I'd go off by myself, and I'd feel horrible, and I'd open up the Bible, and I'd read things like, like Paul saying, husbands, love your wives 
as Christ loved the church. And I start to think to myself, I'm not, a, I'm not an incredibly intelligent man, but I'm pretty sure that when, when Paul says, love your wife like Christ loved the church, I'm pretty sure Christ didn't scream at the church. I'm pretty sure Christ didn't punch a hole in the wall when he was angry. I'm pretty sure Christ didn't say some of the things to the church that I said to my wife. And I had a choice to make in that moment. See, I did not agree with what God said. God said, submit to your wife. Love your wife like Christ loved the church. And I thought, if I surrender my rights to my wife, you know what she's going to do? She's going to walk all over me. If I, if I don't yell, she won't listen. Because the only time I could get her to listen was when I yelled. I thought she was listening. She was actually just like retreating. I thought she was listening. I thought, if I don't yell, she'll never listen. We'll never get anywhere. I remember thinking to myself, how can 200, I was working in college ministry, how can 200 college students listen to me? And my own wife won't listen to me. How many of you felt like that before? Yeah, none of you. You're all lying. That's okay. So I had a choice to make. I'm either going to not obey God because I don't understand why I have to surrender to my wife. I don't agree with him that it's actually going to work. So I cannot obey God. And you know what would happen if I didn't obey God? We might still be married right now. We might. But we would not experience abundant joy in our marriage. We would not get to the end of the day and say, ah, that was a fulfilling day. This is a fulfilling marriage. And I'll be honest with you, we might not be married right now. I don't know. I don't know. I would know this. Our budget would include a lot more money for counseling. So I chose, you know what? I'm going to obey God. I'm going to take that center path, even though I don't agree. Even though I don't think that that this is actually going to work. Here's what obedience looked like for me. I started to pray every day. Just asking God to change my heart for Maria. God, would you just change the way I view my wife? Because she is killing me right now. And then God started to say, she's not killing you. You are killing you. Don't change her, change you. So I started going to counseling. That's fun when you're a pastor. So what's your profession? Oh, I'm a pastor in counseling. Best choice I ever made. Best choice I ever made. I got accountability. I got a few guys and said, guys, I have, a, I have an anger issue. And I cannot communicate to my wife. And it's wrecking our marriage. We began to pray together and talk together. And it wasn't easy. There were days when I had to white knuckle it. There were days when I had to literally like bite my, bite my hand. But over time, I began to see that what God says is true. Over, over time, I began to agree with God that there's a different way to talk to my wife, a different way to love my wife. Over time, I began to have the mind of Christ. And now, seven and a half years later, we have a transformed marriage because we didn't short-circuit the transformation process. And friends, that's the kind of freedom I want for you. Over time, I, I took this weight. Let's not strangle myself. I took this weight off. And now my marriage... Marriages, ah, ah. I don't stay at work extra hours because I'm trying to avoid my family. I want to be home. Ah. Sometimes in a Christian life, we don't, we don't understand what God's saying. We don't agree with it. We don't see the benefit of it. But sometimes he says, obey. Obey first. Understand later. You could say it this way. Sometimes to understand why, you have to submit and apply. Sometimes to understand why, you have to submit and apply. Sometimes freedom comes after we do what we know is right. Because sometimes righteousness is not based on how I feel or what I think. It's based on what God says and following God. And he's given us everything we need to live that kind of life. Maybe it's not marriage for you. Maybe your marriage is rock solid. Maybe it's finances. 
Maybe you know God's truth about finances. Maybe you know that God says tithe. The first 10% you get should go towards me, should go to the local church, should go to ministry, should go to what I'm doing. Maybe you know that God says get out of debt. But if you're totally honest, you just don't agree with it. Or you just think it's too hard and so you're not doing it. And you have all the tools you need. You've got the Holy Spirit who's living in you, who's changing the way we think. We've got that new mind. We've got tools. The church gives us budgets, Financial Peace University, life groups, accountability. We've got everything we need, and yet we choose not to do it. I wonder if God would say this, to understand why, submit and apply. Then you'll experience freedom. Maybe for you it's worry. I know that worry is a huge thing. That's why God says over 365 times some variation of don't be afraid, don't worry, don't be anxious. Because you know this as well as I do. 99.9% of the stuff that you and I worry about never happens. Never happens. And yet we spend all of our time worrying about it. And you're sitting there thinking, yeah, but you don't understand, Kevin. You don't know what I'm up against at work. If I don't worry at work, it's not going to get done. Or you're sitting there and you're saying, yeah, but Kevin, you don't know how long we tried to get pregnant and we finally got pregnant and we finally had a baby. If I don't worry about this baby all the time, something could happen to him. Something could happen to her. I know what that's like. That was my wife, Maria, playing the keyboard. That's our story of having a miscarriage. I know what it's like to get pregnant after a miscarriage and to have your wife get pregnant after a miscarriage and try and try to walk out in faith and not worry, and then have a baby, and have that tinge that just says, oh, I got to worry all the time. But Jesus says, don't worry. Jesus promises us. He says, I promise you that I am holding the world together, and my desire is that I want to hold your world together too, but I can't do it if you're holding your own world so tightly. Because isn't it true that worry, for those of you who are worriers, you get this, worry usually comes out like control. You worry, so you try to control everything and hold everything and put it all together, and your mind is constantly filled with all this stuff that you have to do, and, and no one really understands it except for you because you're so, you're so worried, so you're holding it together. And Jesus says, let me hold it together. Let me hold it together. To understand why. Submit and apply. Even if, even if, I don't fully understand. Even if. I don't fully agree because here's the promise of God. He says, if you trust me, if you hold to my teaching, if you hold to my word, if you do what I say, then you are my disciples. Then you'll know the truth and then the truth will set you free. Sometimes to understand freedom, we have to get, we have to get to a place of application. So God invites us, as we wrap up this series, God invites us to live rightly with him, to live rightly with him, to think the things he thinks, to say the things he says, to do the things he does. And then he promises us, if you do that, you will have this deep joy. You'll have a life marked by joy. You'll have a life where you get to the end of it and you can say, you know what? There were ups and there were downs, there were ins and there were outs, but, but ultimately my life was marked by supreme happiness. And you'll get to the end of your life and you will say, your kids will leave the house, and you won't have been the best parent. You won't be perfect, because listen, none of us is. But you'll get to the end of the, the parenting time when they leave the house, and you'll say, ah. You'll work through your marriage, and you'll get to that 50 years or 60 years, and you'll look back, and you'll say, it wasn't always easy. It wasn't always perfect. But ah, it was so good. 
So to wrap our time up, righteousness begins when we enter into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. It has to start there. Otherwise, that sin nature is always guiding us, always leading us, always causing us to do things that we should not do, and we have no power against it. So we have to start with Jesus. It all starts with Jesus. It grows as we allow God to change our mind. And then freedom comes as we apply what we know to our lives. And on the other side of obedience is freedom. And freedom is so good. Freedom is so good. There's nothing better than freedom. So I want to ask you, where are you on this journey? As we wrap up this month of teaching together, where are you on this journey? Have you, have you made that conscious decision to switch from that old nature that's led by sin, dominated by sin, causing you to be the person you do not want to be? Have you traded that in for the new nature in Jesus? Have you entered into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ? If you have not, that is the starting point. Where are you on this journey? Are you in a place of allowing God to transform your mind? Are you studying his word? Are you, are you chewing on it every day? Are you allowing yourself to unlearn the things that you thought and to learn the things that God has for you? And then finally, are you applying what you're learning and allowing it to change your life? God. God's pictured in the Bible like a, a wonderful heavenly father who loves his kids, who has good things for his kids, who has great plans for his kids. If you're a parent, you know what this looks like to love your kids and want, have dreams for them and hopes for them. If you're a parent, you know what it's like when your child chooses to do something that you know is only going to hurt them and you grieve for them. And you say, just come back to freedom. Follow my leading. Obey me. Understand that your mom and your dad love you. And God's saying, just like that, I love you. I love you. And I have better for you if you would follow after me. So where are you on this journey? It's been a month. We've been walking through this path of righteousness for one month. What's God doing right now? What's God doing right now? Where are you on this journey? If you're here and you've never entered into that personal relationship with God, I want to give you a chance to do that. Just about 25 minutes ago, we celebrated communion, where we took that piece of bread and that cup of juice, which represents Jesus' body, which was broken for us, and his, his blood that was poured out for us on the cross. And when we remember that, we remember that God looked down from heaven onto earth. He saw the plight of people, that we had been separated from God because of our choice to sin. And God said, that's not acceptable. So God left heaven and came to earth. And he gave his life on a cross. And then he rose from the dead. And he conquered sin and death and destruction when he rose from the dead. And he made a way for us to come back to our heavenly father. He said, I've paid for your sin. I have chosen to give my life in the place of yours. Would you choose to accept that free gift and come back to me? If you've never made that decision, it's the best choice you could ever make. And I want to give you a chance to do that right now. I'm going to pray. And and as I pray, I'm going to pray for our whole church together. And then I'm going to pray for you if you're ready to make that decision. And I'm going to ask you to repeat a simple prayer of commitment where you would just say to God, yes, yes, I want this life that you're offering. Yes, I want to have a relationship with you. Yes, I want to receive your offer of forgiveness. Yes, I want to take this journey with you. And if you're ready to make that decision, you can pray that prayer with me. Let's join together in prayer. Holy Spirit, right now as we enter into this time of prayer, we know that this is, this is not just words, but this is actually a sacred moment with you where we're sitting in the presence of the living God and we get to speak to you. And I ask right now, Lord, on behalf of my friends in this room, would you show us where we are in this journey? Would you reveal that to us? 
Would you show us if our next step is to enter into a personal relationship with you to start this journey? Would you show us if our next step is to begin to chew on your word, to know what truth looks like? Would you show us if there's some area in our lives where we've just chosen not to surrender to you and not to apply truth that we already know in our lives? And if that's the case, would you give us the power? Would you give us the strength? Would you give us the courage to actually put into practice the things that we know to be true? And I'm asking that for my friends so that they can live rightly with you, so that they can experience the supreme joy that you offer and the satisfaction of a life lived with you. Lord, would you be working powerfully in their midst? And as we continue to pray, if you're here this morning and you've never entered into that personal relationship with God that only comes through Jesus Christ, I want to give you the chance to do that. You can repeat this simple prayer after me. You can say, Lord Jesus, today I say yes. Yes, I want this life that you're offering. Yes, Lord, I want to have a relationship with you. So would you come into my life? Would you forgive me of my sins? Would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? And God, would you show me what it looks like to walk this life out with you every day from here and as I walk through this life, as I walk into eternity? Would you show me what it looks like to live rightly, to live righteously? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.